As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. There they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots, and sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, they placed a written charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sapoxnia, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. Many women were among them, watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb, and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there opposite the tomb. The next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, We remember that while he was still alive, that the deceiver said, After three days I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. 
Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go and make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. The word of the Lord. One of the reasons why we take so much time to read that and to listen to it is, um, one, because I think it speaks louder than what most of us can say about the cross. Um, There's this this way in which we seek to explain the cross very quickly in sort of modern America and make it sort of a divine mechanism by which it's either um, a substitutionary death for our sins, which it is, or a a victorious death in which Christ overcomes all the powers, which it is, or um, uh, uh, a way in which we are called to sort of live our lives and sort of following Jesus, which it is, uh, or the retelling of the story of God's faithfulness, recapitulation, which we did a sermon on, which it is too. All these things are true, but one of the things I think is most true about Christianity that we often neglect in the modern world, and if you think about what's gone on in our country and the world in the last three or four months and year and the rest of your life. Um, Christianity is, is, is often sometimes the training to live in the silences, to not rush to explanation, to not think that everything can be summed up with our words, but to trust and to look to the way in which they are summed up in Jesus Christ. And if we can mature which, speaking of myself here, um, to that point, we can learn to sit in the silences with other people. Not everything needs an explanation, a tweet, a blog post, a news story, an opinion within the first five seconds of it happening. And when we talk about the darkness that reigns in our world, perhaps it's not even within our lifetimes, we seek to bring explanation to that. So as we sit and we heard this story, um, one of the things that, two things I guess I'll I'll close with because I want to keep this short because I don't want to ruin what it means to sit with the story. The first is we've been walking with Matthew's gospel, if you remember, since September. Um, We took a break for Advent and then we went back into it. And most of that was in the Sermon on the Mount. And then we focused on these parables that Jesus tells at the end of his life for the past couple weeks. And so one of the things before we get to Easter, but at this point, is is what is Matthew's message for us? And one of the things that, that I've talked about continually is that in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is often creating a community. And I think what we hear today is a com- it's a community that can stand under the cross or stand by the cross, that, that we know that the, the powers of this world, that which goes on and continues and which seeks to sort of compete with the one who's faithful before us, only seeks to extinguish these things. 
And Christians, as they're called out in Matthew's Gospels, are meant to be um, infidelity to that message. Not to say that while Jesus had to go to the cross, we will be victors in our time here on earth. But that it is for us, as Simon of Cyrene shown and as Jesus instructed his disciples, to pick up our cross and follow him. As much as we may want to go around the cross, the way of the church, the way of being a Christian in the world, goes through the cross. There's no way around that. We are the church that is called to go through that moment as well in our own agony of suffering, not in the salvific way that Jesus is, but in a way that is a witness to what he did before us. And often we have to confess and lament our ways in which we don't go that path. And the last observation tied to the cross, um, uh, Francis read the lines that I often come to around this time, which is in two or three of the Gospels, is he saved others, but he didn't save himself. He saved others, but he couldn't save himself. If you want to sum up what Jesus does for us in earth, he is one who saves others but doesn't save himself. And what's amazing about this story, and, and I encourage you this week to, to read it slowly. I have, I have one story I'll end with after this. But to, to read it slowly, um, because what happens is, is Jesus' freedom is constricted. As he's bound and brought from place to place, it's almost as his power increases. This was done so that this would fulfill this. Or, unironic or, or, and weird, I never know how to use the word irony. Uh, um, <laughs> in this weird way, all these people are witnessing to what's true about him. Hail, King of the Jews, as they mock him. Let his blood be on us as it is on our children, which is something we sing as Christians. Um, uh, uh, he's calling on Elijah. All these things in which they witness to this one who sort of has more and more power going in him as he goes closer and closer to the path. It's the arrangement of how these things work from that field with Judas is to say that as God is surrendering his power, in some sense, everything is being fulfilled. He saved others, but he couldn't save himself. So the last story I love about Palm Sunday, Palm Sunday is a, a classic uh, associate pastor Sunday um, because the main pastor has to warm up for Easter. Um, and so I've preached on it a lot. But my favorite observation from Palm Sunday is in uh, the 1980s, they put together a machine, as I guess people did in the 1980s, and it factored what was the most boring day in U.S. history or in world history. And the criteria which they used was like nobody was assassinated, no wars broke out, no major events happened, no big sporting, no Olympics, this, that, and the other. And I forget the exact date. It was like May 22nd. And one time I used this as an analogy, and somebody was born on that day, and I was like, sorry. Um, and they said, this is the most uh, empty day in, it must, have been, it must have been March 22nd, most meaningless day in, in world history based on this machine. And you notice the criteria they use, but this Catholic thinker points out that it just so happens that that day was a Palm Sunday. And what could have happened is that thousands, millions of people heard the story of the modest one riding in Jerusalem, and they so took it into their hearts that they were changed.
how we factor what matters in the world is different. But I would say that I, oftentimes I've used that, so we too take this into our hearts in such a way that we're changed. And I realize even for me, that's a high goal. Um, well, I guess on the opposite side, I can't do it. Um, uh, and so what I would hope for this week is that Palm Sunday and this crucifixion story, we can take into adoration at least once or twice this week. And in adoration and in training our affections and our hearts towards that, Perhaps we might be changed. But as the goal of this isn't so that we just come out of it different, but that we adore the one who went before us to the cross and offered his life for us. He saved others, but he couldn't save himself. Let us pray. God, we've taken in the story of your son, Jesus Christ, through these chapters at the end of the book of Matthew. We watch as the one who is light and who is God is pushed out of the world. We, too, take our culpability in that. The church is the repentant missionary for those who are guilty but know what comes in the end. We ask that in this week, in time of preparation to the celebration of your resurrection, that we may find ourselves drawn near to the cross. For there you went low to save us, for us, and for our salvation. Let us welcome that into our hearts this week so that the light of Easter may shine all the brighter. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.